Yes, people, it is Thursday, which means it's another echo chamber for you, people. And as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office for the 2nd to the 4th of July. So, in at number 10, people, we have got Supernova. So, um, you know what I mean? We looked at this film back at last year's London Film Festival, directed by Harry McQueen, starring Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci in masterful performances. At number nine, we've got a new entry from Studio Canal and director Thomas Vinterberg. We've got another role. So, uh, yeah, another one for you to uh, check out if you're a fan of um, Vinterberg's stuff. You know what I mean? At number eight, we have got another entry in the Conjuring series. This is from Michael Shaves. And we've got The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So... Number seven, people, we have got the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Yeah, I mean, we took a look at this a couple of weeks back, and it's um, the sequel from Patrick Hughes. You know, and he brought along stars from the original Ryan Reynolds, Selma Hayek, and Samuel L. Jackson. Boom. So that means at number six this week, we have got another new entry, people. And um, yeah, we are looking at the new um, universal feature, right? It is a freaky. So um, yeah, this is from director. Christopher Landon and it's starring Catherine Newton, Vince Vaughn, Uriah Shelton and Misha Oshiro. So we are in the top four, 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 five. And at number five, it's that Disney hit from Craig Gillespie. It's the prequel. Cruella, starring Emma Stone as the young Cruella Deville. We also got Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, Paul Walter Hauser, John McCree, and a whole heap of other talent in this new Disney feature. At number four, 
Oh shit, the original film, small budget, huge hit. It's John Krasinski's sequel, A Quiet Place 2. Right? So we follow the survivors Emily Blunt, Missalyn Simmons, and um, Noah Jupe. Man, still ain't got round to it, but I think I'm doing a double bill on Monday, people. So um, we will have thoughts on this soon. Right, so we're in our top three. And at number three, it's the John M. Chu, Lin-Manuel Medina in the Heights. So it's Stephanie Barites, Anthony Haramas. So at number two, at number two, people, it's for the kids. It's Will Gluck's Peter Rabbit 2, which means our number one film in the UK. I, I mean, I, I think people know what we're gonna say. Hey, Justin Lin just sped in. Hey, it's fast in the motherfucking Furious 9. Vin Diesel. The incredible Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Luda Cross, Natalie Emmanuel, Charlie Perone, and John Cena. So there you go, people. Our top 10 films in the UK right now. Before we get to this week's films, let us get a little bit of news, right? Save these dates to the diaries, people. Alright, folks. Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder, starting from Friday the 25th of June, all the way through to the 25th of July. This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy action and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honour the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer Angela Kang with the 2021 Etheria Inspiration Award. Given annually to a person in the entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. Producer Gail Ann Hard will present the award to Kang with the ceremony included as part of the official Etheria 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. 
And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, and we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people, I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gaywa and Hurd says, the Ethereum Film Festival is the preeminent Forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field. As The Walking Dead's first female showrunner, Angela Kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci-fi medium, and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria. Um, and who have been honoured over the years with their inspiration award. Not least the incomparable Gail Ann Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is, uh, is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun. Right, some of those films that will be screening, okay... Uh, we've got The Fourth Wall. This is directed by Kelsey Bowling. Um, we've got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle. Have You Will Never Be Back from Monica Matteo. Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron. Uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker. The Grey from Myra Aquino. Paula Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia. Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And Who Goes There from Astrid for Vladson. <laughs> you know, so, um, hey, looks like it is going to be a fun uh festival people so go check out the ethereal website and remember it will start friday the 25th of june running all the way to the 25th of july exclusively on shudder Okay, horror fads, July is looking to be a great month If you have Shudder, and if you're a horror fad and you don't Are you really a horror fad? <laughs> That's the question to ask people So, during July, they uh, will have four new premieres streaming on the uh, platform and exclusive films, as well as a bumper collection of classics joining the library. So, with the um, the new films, the premieres on the eighth of July, 
is the first. And we have Sun hitting the network. So, in Sun, a mysterious group breaks into Laura's home and attempts to abduct her eight-year-old son, David. The two of them flee town in search of safety, but soon after the failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasing psychosis and convulsions. Following her maternal instincts, Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son. It is written and directed by Ivan Kavanagh, um, and it stars Andy Matak, um, Emily Hirsch, and Luke David Bloom. So, the following week, on the 15th of July, we see The Toll, right? So, this is directed by Michael Nadar. And it's starring Jordan Hayes, Max Toplin, James McGowan, and Rosemary Dunsmore. And the film is about this. When a young woman and her rideshare driver break down on a dark forest road, each sees the other as a threat. A strange phenomena begin occurring around them. They gradually realise they've become trapped in the world of a terrifying supernatural being. The Toll Man. Da, 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 da. Ooh, sounds a bit ominous, right? Then, on the 22nd of July, we have Kandisha. So, it is summer break and best friends Emil and... Benito and Morgana hang together with other neighborhood teens. Nightly, they are fun sharing scary stories and urban legends. But when Emile is is assaulted by her ex, she remembers the story of Kandisha, a powerful and vengeful demon. Afraid and upset, Emile summons her. The next day, her ex is found dead. The legend is true, and now Kandisha is on a killing spree. And it's up to the three girls to break the curse. This is directed by uh, Julian Mori and Alexandra Mustilio. And it is starring... Mathilde Lamus, Samarakand Sadi, and Susie Memba. Then on the 29th of July, and ending the run of premieres, is The Boy Behind the Door. So, this is directed by David Carbona. And Justin Powell. Right, it is starring Ludi Chavis, Ezra Dowie, Kristin Bayer Van Stratton, Scott Michael Foster, and Mitch Hopman. 
And the gist of the piece is this. A night of unimaginable terror awaits 12-year-old Bobby and his best friend Kevin when they are abducted on their way home from school. Managing to escape his confines, Bobby navigates the dark halls, praying his presence goes unnoticed as he avoids his captor at every turn. Even worse is the arrival of another stranger, whose mysterious arrangement with the kidnapper may spell certain doom for Kevin. With no means of calling for help and miles of dark country in every direction, Bobby embarks on a rescue mission, determined to get himself and Kevin out alive. Or die trying. Woo! And, um, yeah, Carbona and Powell also write the piece. So, they're your premieres, but also adding to the ever expanding library of horror classics is Lake Mungo and Dawn of the Dead, which hit on the 1st of July. On the sixth will be the little girl who lives down the lane, Terror Train, and Death Ship. Then on the seventh comes Basket Case 1, 2, and 3. As well as the 74 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. On the twelfth we have Messiah of Evil. Carnival of Souls, Straight Edge Kegger, Dead and Buried, and Blackwater. On the 13th, White Girl and Separation. Then on the 19th, she's allergic to cats, They're Inside, and Sadistic Intentions. On the 20th, Mass Hysteria. And Rot On the 26th It is Etheria the series The 2020 edition Then They remain Faults And follow So people There is a lot To look forward to in July But You gotta have Shudder To be able to partake so, what are you waiting for, people? Go get some shudder into your life. Okay, people. So, now we've got all of that out the way, let's get into this week's films. Sit back. Let's go. Okay, people, so we have a new psychological thriller on our hands with a perfect enemy. So this is the English language debut from Cake Mallow, and it's an adaptation of the enemy's cosmetic, 
from Ufa Amil Nofom. Alright, so the uh, the piece is co-written between um, Malo, um, Fernando Navarro, and Cristina Clemente. Okay, so it is produced by Malo, uh, Benito Muller, Wolfgang Muller, Justin Nappi, Eric Tostorf. Uh, it's executive produced by Matthew Bradley, Tony Corazzo, Anna Erasso, Laurent Formoron. Max Lemok, uh, Sharuna Varalatal, um, yeah, associate producers Esther Valesco, uh, Andrea Puig, and Rodolfo Saniz. Music is from Alex Branowski. Cinematographer is Rita Noriega. It's edited by Marty Roker. Casting handled by Miria Yuz. Production design is Roger Balz. Uh, costume design is Paula Ventura. Okay. So, our cast. Well, our, the main players in the piece... Are um, Thomas Coot, who plays Jeremias. Athena Strass plays Texil. Um, yeah, I I would say. Hmm. Um, the the I, yeah I I think they're probably our main. Our main players. Um, oh, I mean, also, you've got Marta Nieto, who plays um, Tomas's wife in the piece. Okay, so, yeah. There, there are our main peoples. Right, so the gist of the story... Is this a successful architect? Jeremy's angst is approached on his trip to Paris by a strange young woman who will not leave him alone. Missing his flight and trapped in the airport lounge, he is unable to get rid of the annoying stranger. Although the meeting at first seems to be chance, soon there is a turn that will transform the nature of their encounter into something much more sinister and criminal. Bum, bum, bum. So, yeah, I, I, I think, right, with this piece, it starts off, right, we hear talking. We hear talking and we then kind of the camera pans, right? And we are at a talk, kind of like a, you know, a TED talk, right? And it's uh, Jeremiah's talking about archi- archi- architecture, 
architect architecture architecture yeah that man i don't know what it is like the word it sounds like i'm saying it wrong but no that's that's what he's talking about that's what he does and he starts to talk about sustainable structures you know uh, making ethical architecture you know things that help the um the people that inhabit it you know stuff that works with the environment right talking about how uh, like a, a hospital with no light and windows it it saw more death right and then they found you know had more windows right and, and the patients had more uh, there was a more willingness to survive Right, and it's just this inherent thing in people, and he talks about that and that being the impetus to his work and how he wants to move forward and all of this, right? And I kind of feel right that I don't know what it is, man. People that be like, oh, I went to Africa and I, yeah, I did all this great work. I, I was there for a month and we built a world and I changed everyone's lives. You know, there's always a picture of them with the people from the village and ah, ah, sickens me, sickens me because it, it's not really the world. Oh my gosh, you wanted to do this work No, it's just like You want to have this moment where you can talk about Being so great And you transform people's lives Blah. So, I think I'm always a little dubious about them peoples Right? So, there is that thing Straight away about Jeremiah That kind of be like Hmm Okay Alright, what, what, what's the downside to this motherfucker? You know what I mean? Where, where's it all going to change? So that's our intro. So he, he leaves. Now, but I think as he's leaving, right, it, it's raining, it's dreary. But we find out some information. So we find out out the gate that his wife... Has disappeared. It's been twenty years. It's been twenty years. You know he's wearing, still wearing the wedding ring. He still can't give up on her. So Paris, ah, it's got some bad memories for him, right? So that's what we learn straight away early on. And as he's going to the airport, you know there's a load of traffic. And, uh, you know, as mentioned, a young lady, you know, she taps on the window and she's like, God, can you help me? And yeah, listen, right. Someone is only letting that person in the car because it's a woman. If that was a dude, hey, they're not getting in that car. Right. But woman gets in the car and boy, she is a chatty cafe. Oh my gosh, she talks a lot, right? And I think there's things that seem a little off, right, from the giddy-up. I think that the suitcase situation and just all of that, and you'd be like, oh, how did it take so long? I mean, surely that's the question you ask straight away. 
you know? That, I mean, it'd be one of those things. So it's a little off, right? But as, look, as, as the synopsis says, uh, you know, the time they miss their flights and, you know, they're kind of stuck together. And I, I kind of think, right, there's, I don't know, there, there were certain things within this opening sequence that you you wonder about it, you know what I mean? I, I think there's things that you wonder about, like, there's a nosiness from our, uh, you know, young lady, um, Texil. Which I, I think a lot of people may have checked Or um, I'm not quite sure why you asked that Or just something which we don't necessarily get Right, so there, there is all of this And then later on in the airport After the flights are missed You know, we... There's an oddness here Because you do wonder Why is this continued? You know, that, that that's never really made clear Why the conversation is kept going Now, one the thing I really thought was intriguing Right, was the fact that you know, because Jeremy's he designed this airport and there's a a model, you know, a model of the small model of the airport in one of the terminals. And as the film goes on, we see certain things play out within this model. Right, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, the way that they um did this. I, I yeah, I kind of thought that's an intriguing kind of method. I wonder how far this is gonna go. Where are they gonna take us with this? You know, with this tool. Right? So so we have that. Uh but yeah, there, there's. I think the story is intriguing, right? And it is shot well. Yeah, I, I think the the use of the color, and I think tone, really brings some of these encounters and fragments together. Right, I do feel they cheat. They do kind of cheat, right? Because I I think with the nature of the story that we're getting, there's all these twists and there's these these turns and everything like that, which is always fun. It's fun, you know. No denying that. But, right, but. For it to be the thing that it then is, right? The thing that we find out it is. You have to show 
there's certain things that you, you should be showing, right? I kind of feel there's certain things that you should be showing, which they don't, right? Now, I'm all about the the mislead. The mislead is fun. Like we watched the Usual Suspects and, you know, Memento and films such as that, right? It's fun. But I think the big thing with those films is all the clues were there. Everything was there in plain sight, right? But the way the scenes were shot and things like that, the focus was just taken away to draw your eye from the glaring mistakes and all of that this doesn't really do it right it doesn't play it like that with here they just don't show you certain aspects and i think that's the dishonesty right because i i kind of feel that you should just show everything right but play it so people aren't necessarily paying attention to so then when you make this revelation at the end, you see, you're then like, oh, God, that's, yes, of course, because I saw, oh, interesting, that's why you only shot it from, you know, but no, this doesn't really do that, so I, I, you kind of think, oh, okay, Right, there's certain reactions in the film to some of the things that are said, and you're like, all right, well, that reaction then doesn't make any sense. You know, why would someone, if that the case was, you know, I I, I think that's that's the big thing here. Like the the story is kind of intriguing. There's things that don't necessarily make sense when you look at it clearly, right? When you look at the whole story of Texil, the graveyard and everything like that, right? There's elements of that story you're like, um, how would you know you loved her? You know what I mean? Because it's just like, you haven't met her. You've seen her once, how, like you did. You can't say that, right? And there's certain weird things there, and you're just like, huh, hmm. And then with the telling of that story, right? You then see, oh, and you're just thinking, okay, then if that's the case. Surely there would have been, hold on a second, wait, I, that, ha, whoa, you know, but yeah, none of that is there, and you're just like, hmm, but how, how would that happen without, you know, so I think that's the big thing with it, and also, I think that you, I don't know, it might just be me, right? But I, I did feel that you could see aspects of the, the ruse. I like to put it in its simplistic 
ways, right, you see the ruse, and although, yeah, seeing the ruse isn't quite what we have here, there are things that you, you think, okay, well, this is evident, right, I'm I'm not fooled by this, and that's fine, right, uh, but I kind of think that Unless you are new to film, you're going to see that. Right now, you might not come to the conclusion of the end of the film. Right? That might not be your conclusion here. That might not be the thing you'd be like, wait a second. No. No, no, no. But you definitely understand there is a thing here. You definitely have that. And, yeah, I think that's the one flaw in the film for me. You know, that it it would have been funner to take those things away, right? To, To take away the obvious so you're left in complete doubt, right? You can look at things and be like, hold on, wait, if that's bad, what would that mean? Or, hold on, I saw, oh, you know, so that that would have been fun. And I think that would have made the ending bigger, right? That would have made the reveals like, oh, shit, damn. Because what we get is... Now, it's still interesting. It's still like, okay, right. That's how you're playing it. Interesting. But, yeah, I I just think it it hits home more without the reveal, you know? But, A, it is available. It's available on all your favourite, you know, VOD platforms, Right? So you can watch it, you know, get it from Google, Amazon, you know. Wherever you get films, people, wherever you get your films, you know, iTunes as well. So, yeah, if you're a fan of, um, you know, Kike Maalo, you know, like his Spanish stuff, then you um, might want to see what he can do with some English language, Right. And, um, yeah, if you like your psychological thriller, then this may well tickle your intrigue bone. (laughs) It's only 90 minutes, so not too long, people, not too long. And, yeah, it does, you know, it moves along, right? Moves along. Um, But, yeah, it might be your thing, people. Like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's not terrible, but I, I think there's certain elements that retract it from being one of those ones that you're like, oh, damn, I'm gonna, I've got to tell people about this, yeah? But, hey, you make up how you feel, right? But people, a perfect enemy is out right now. Yo, so, um... 
I have been waiting. <laughs> oh man, I feel like such an asshole. Because I have been waiting for the Tomorrow War for a long time. Right? I was excited. When, uh, man, when I heard that this film was getting made, I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. How is it going to turn out? Oh man. Oh, Chris Pratt is in it. Oh, this is going to be the bomb. God damn. Yes, and you know, COVID hit, right, and it got sold to Amazon, I was a little bit disappointed in that, right, I forget why, but I I remember at the time, I was a bit like, ah, damn, man, if only Netflix would have won the uh, the auction for it, but hey-ho, whatever, let's see what happens, you know, and I'm watching it and I'm like, huh, this, this isn't how I remember, this is weird, this is real weird, and um, then I realised, <laughs> when hunting for, like, synopsis, trailer and all of that for, uh, you know, the website, I realised I had this film mistaken for Joe Hadaman's The Forever War Yeah I thought that this was going to be The motherfucking Forever War And it's not (laughs) Oh my days I mean I guess it's it's easy thing to do Right? Because it's similar It's a similar thing Right? The Forever War The Tomorrow War you know, kind of similar There's some aspects that, um, again, you know, they feel very much akin to the book But, no, it's a it's a different thing It's a, it's a completely different thing, people <laughs> Oh, man, I, yeah, I could have just kept that quiet But fuck it, what the fuck, right? So, this is from director Chris McKay, who, I, you know, people might know from Robot Chicken, or the Lego movie, the Lego Batman movie, you know, I think they're his biggest things, um, it is produced by David Ellison, Dana Goldberg, Don Granger, Jules Daly, David S. Gower and Adam Kolbrenner. It's written by Zach Dean, who seems to be a hot writer. A lot of books on the script books, a lot of scripts on the blacklist, supposedly. Though I don't really feel that means much because I've watched (laughs) films of this touted blacklist before. And they haven't really been great. So, hey-ho. But yeah, Dean, he writes it. Music is from Lorne Balaf. Cinema photography is Larry Fong. It is edited by Roger Barton and Garrett Elkins. Um, Yes, 138 minutes, people. 138 minutes. That is just over two hours. Yes. Yes, indeed, D. 
right? So, um, up in this piece, we have got it's a great cast, you know, Chris Pratt, he plays Dan Forrester, you know, we've got um, JK Simmons as James Forrester, hey, little Tonky Simmons as well, hey, he been hitting the gym for this role, you know what I mean? <laughs> now you kind of feel if this J.K. Simmons went after Spider-Man, he might get him. He might get him and fuck him up. Right? We had um Betty Gilpin, who for so long I was trying to think, I know her. How do I know her? Yeah, she's from Glow, baby. And she plays Emmy Forrester, um, Dan's wife, right? We've also got um, Ryan Kira Armstrong as playing Murray Forrester. Should I say a younger Murray Forrester? And Yvonne Strakowski um, from Chuck, who again, I'm looking at thinking, I know you from... How the fuck do I know you? And yeah, Chuck. I, you know, I think I at first I was like, oh, is she shorty from Fringe, but no, that's her sister, right? I believe. Um, but anyway, anyway, she plays Colonel Murray Forrester. That's an older iteration. Uh, then we've got Sam Richardson who plays Charlie, Edwin Hodge who plays Dorian. Um, we've got Jasmine Matthews, who plays Lieutenant Hart. We've got Keith Powers as Major Greenwood. Um, and we've got Ryan Kira Arm. Oh, no, we just did that. Sorry, I mean, we got Mary Lina Reishob, um, who, you know, when she was... I, I feel when she was in her, your mum's house, she did not mention she was in this film. Right, um, she plays Nora, and Mike Mitchell plays Cohen. Uh, Seth Scannell plays Martin, who's a student of uh, Dan Forrester's, and plays a a pivotal role in the film, which you know he was going to, from just the, the way he appeared in the film. Right? It's one of those ones, man. It's one of those ones. So, you want to know, what is this film about? I will tell you. Okay? So, the world is stunned when a group of time travellers arrive from the year 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a deadly alien species. The only hope for survival is for soldiers and civilians from the present to be transported to the future and join the fight. Among those recruited is high school teacher and family man Dan Forrester. Determined to save the world for his young daughter, Dan teams up with a brilliant scientist and his estranged father in a desperate quest to rewrite the fate of the planet And um, yeah so that's the film Right and You know 
we we see them at well at the beginning it, it it's it's one of those ones that starts off midway and then we jump back right it is it's one it does that so we see dan falling from the sky lands in a swimming pool climbs out with a few of his people and he's holding a gun then it goes 20 years before and we're at a party it's a christmas party but they're watching world cup for I mean, i'm assuming it's a christmas party right i feel it's a christmas party yeah, it's an odd one because I'm like the World Cup doesn't happen in December. What's going on? But yeah, they're watching Brazil play. I'm not quite sure who. I forget. But they're watching this football game, and um, he, you know, he's he's trying to get this job. He doesn't get the job, and his daughter really loves soccer. I think football. I don't even say football. You know, you Yankees might see it as soccer. Okay, but it's football <laughs> because you kick it with your foot. Okay, but they're watching this, and then all of a sudden, there's a breakaway. You think a player's gonna score a goal, and boom, a wormhole. And we get all these soldiers from the future come in and they make this plea this plea for help. So we have this, and then we kind of get the whole, you know, the, the, the world comes together and does this, and then they do this, and then they do this, and it doesn't work, so then they do this. And that's the implement of the draft, and how just normal people are sent off, right? So you have that. Now... I think there's there's a few odd things, right? Because Dan is a former Green Beret. And you kind of feel, right, wouldn't that be the thing? <laughs> that you Firstly, you look for ex-soldiers. Right? You ask all the ex-soldiers, do you want to come back? Do you want to help out? Right? That, you'd think that would be something. Or at least have them like run training camp. It's just something. I don't know, man. But no. That's not what happens, but yeah. So, you know, he gets he gets called up, right? He gets called up. Now, the film is funny because although it's not the Forever War, it seems to take elements of the Forever War. It takes man. It takes stuff from a lot of different films, like the creatures themselves. Seem to be crossed between like the alien predator, like and a few other things that I'm trying to. I was trying to remember, yo, what is that? That's oh man, that's from something, right? Like, there's some starship troopers up in here. There's a there's a lot, it it seems to borrow. Um, well, maybe not borrow. Borrow might not be the right word, but you can definitely see influences, right? And it uses those influences, it uses those sci fi tropes. The film is jam packed with tropes, 
and it is not afraid or ashamed to really work them. Woo! And as mentioned, with Dan Student, right? Because they have this scene at the beginning of the film, Dan's in school. He's teaching a class, and it's a weird one because it's just like everyone has just seen these future people, but you're trying to teach a class, and you're doing it like nothing because... You know what I mean? It was, it was, you're thinking, wait, would they really be doing this shit? You know what I mean? But hey, the kid asks a question. Kid asks a question, and you just, and they spend so much time fucking around with this question that you think, right, there's definitely, he's having ramifications in this film, right? It's one of those ones where it's just way too unsubtle. Way too unsubtle, right? So we have this. Now, I will say, right, there is this beef between Dan and his dad, right? We we have this beef between Dan and um and his pops, right? Which you you kind of look at and you be like, hmm, okay, right? Because obviously. There is this whole thing around PTSD, you know, and it's like when we have this confrontation, he you you learn that his dad James he's been in Vietnam, right, and the stuff he talks about from Nam and returning, you're like, yeah, that's something that a lot of vets talked about, right, but. It is very weird, right, that that is the reason there is this friction between between them. And when I say that is the reason, I mean, it, it you know, it's triggered, it triggered events that led to some shit, right? But here's the rub. Dan's wife is a therapist. <laughs> Dan's wife is a therapist. So you would, and also... We know so much about the bullshit that went down in Vietnam and the veterans returning and all of that. So, yeah, the thought he would have understood, right? But, and especially being a Green Beret, it did, I, did, I felt it didn't really make any sense for that to be the reason of the beef, right? The reason of the friction. Because you're like, You'd understand, right? It seems that you've faced war, right? You you have him as an Iraqi veteran. He's faced war. He knows, like the rest of us, what went down in Vietnam. And his wife's a therapist. So you'd think, but no. And then even at the end of the film, we don't kind of address this. You know, it's this whole PTSD, like, to PTS, not in this motherfucker, son. You know what I mean? That's what that is. PTSD, not up in here, right? But they don't, they don't really go with that, which is, it's strange. It is strange, because, yes, we, we do go on... You know, oh, you hate me, but now I'm redeeming myself. We go on that journey because 
Of course we do. <laughs> of course we do. As I said, look, there's so many tropes, you know, that we, we jump on. You know, the the whole um like father, like son, that's up in there. Right? There, there's just all of these things. Plus, right, you you fuck around with aliens, you don't stand around and talk. Right? It's just one of these things, right? There's this weird bit in the film, and and they mentioned that, oh, the the female alien, her system is different from the male systems, right? Which you know you, you kind of figure that out. It's similar with bees and just ants and just all of these, um, matriarchal uh, eco uh, systems, right? So um. They say, they say she breaks down stuff very quickly and can adapt her body. So you'd think if you're pumping it full of sleeping gas, essentially, it's not sleeping gas, but you, you know, if you're pumping it full of that every hour, it, it's going to adapt, right? It's going to adapt. No one seems to think about this. And we're in a room full of scientists. You're just like, wait, hold on a second. What what are we doing here? What's happening? And listen, it's this action film. It does feel a little bloated, right? Being, you know, over two hours, you do look at a lot of it and you think, you could have cut some of this stuff out, right? But some of it is just shooting, Right, and they have the shittiest guns, right? Now, there's veterans on the squad, and it takes them ages to mention the best place to shoot these aliens, which you would have thought, you would have thought, is information that's getting passed out at the very start. But it's not. It's weird. Right, no one's given body armor at the start. Right, and you're just like, wait, why isn't anyone given body armor? Seems one of the things we see the aliens can do. Right, it is some baffling things here. There's a there's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense because you're just like, if you are trying to win this war, if you are trying. To prevent a load of people dying Surely you would do this, this and this But no, we don't get that We don't get that Now, we've got um, we, We've we got a few characters up in here Like Charlie He is our comic relief But it doesn't really work You know, the humour They're really trying to shoehorn up in the place doesn't need to, doesn't really work, and I'm like, it doesn't have to be funny, right, sometimes it's that you can have the guy or the girl who wants to be a comedian, and they're just shit, right, the jokes always fall flat, or they're inappropriate, and it could work like that, but they're not really having Charlie be that person, so the, the, the you know, what they're trying to do with Charlie doesn't really fit, 
Right, it feels uh, it feel, The character just feels out of place And a little disjointed But We have a lot of those characters You know, it, it's a bit like At the start of the film Dan doesn't act like He's an ex-Green Beret You know he, I, I, should, I, I should probably say He doesn't act like someone that's been you know, st- still training, still keeping fit, because you know there's a point where he has to take his shirt off, and you're like, well, yeah, you're in shape, right? Which means you are keeping fit, you are gymming it, you are training, you know. But when he first goes into camp, he's acting a bit like, oh, I don't know what this is, and but and you're just like, um, huh? You know, there are there's there's a lot of stuff they put in here to make it this family thing, right? This story of redemption, of love, of you know, honor, and all of this. They like they they've done this. They they like they do the thing where one person has all the answers. You know what I mean? Rather than mix it up, right? Because, listen, even if you're running something, you don't necessarily have all the answers. That's what the team is for. But in a film like this, they do want to make, like, the one or the two people to be the ones that have the keys to the kingdom. You know, so we have all of that. We have it like his daughter is... You know, this crazy thing And you're just like, oh man Like, did you have to do that? You know what I mean? It it just feels corny It just feels like you have just gone through a tick list of Oh, we got to have this in here And we got to have that Oh, we should have a moment where, you know, they look at each other and it's just like, oh, and yeah, and oh, and you do this. Oh, and we need someone that's going to sacrifice themselves and and we'll have that up in there and then we'll do, you know, that's what it feels like that we've done all of this. Now, look, it's, it's not the worst action film I have seen. You know, definitely not the worst, but... Although it's not the forever war (laughs) You know what I mean Although it's not the forever war Like I I, I just feel You know It's borrowed from so many films And so many good films That You just feel It could have been more Right, it it could have been more Because yes, it's got a lot of elements from the Forever War in here Even, you know, um, oh shit, John Scalazzi Is John Scalazzi? Scalazzi? Hmm, but he's Old Man War There's like elements from that up in there, right? So if you're mining all of these pieces at least mould them into something epic And unfortunately it's not epic You know I, I, I felt that the Ender's Game film Is more impactful Right and, and that one Although 
good. Although, I, no, actually, I really did like the Ender's Game film. It wasn't quite as good as the book, but, you know, I, I just thought it, it really covers certain topics that are in this. It does it better, you know? But, yeah, if you like Chris Pratt and, you know, like all, all of the actors and actresses up in the piece, then you might want to check it out. As I said, look, it's not dreadful. It's just not... It's not what it could have been, especially with all the talent involved, you know? But it's on Amazon Prime, so if you've got Prime Video people... You get to watch it as part of your subscription, you know? So you had that, right? And if you can't sleep like me, <laughs> or, you know, yeah, you just want to check it, then yeah, go, boom, do your thing, people, do your thing, all right? So, um, yeah, the Tomorrow War is now on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Yo, I gotta say, people, I gotta say, Shudder does know how to pick a great friggin' film. Oh my days. So Sun is their new their new feature. And um it is from director Ivan Kavanaugh, who also wrote the piece. It is um produced by Louise Tizen, Anne-Marie Nant, Ben Cornwell, and René Bastion. Um, music is from Azar Hand. Cinematography is Piers McGrill. It's edited by Robin Hill. And it, the cast... Well, our, our main cast, I would say, is um, Andy Mat Mat mm, Andy Mataka Mat. Oh my God, I can't speak. Andy Matakak, I think. I think that's how you pronounce it. She plays Laura. Luke David Bloom plays David, her son. We've then got Emil Hirsch as Paul. He's a detective and his partner, detective partner that is. Um, but you know, it's 2021, right? Two dudes can be partners, people. Uh, so we've got Cranston Johnston as Steve. Yeah, they're our, I would say they're the main peoples up in the piece. Now, there obviously are a, 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 a few others in this squid odd, you know. Um, Aaron, oh, where's the name? Aaron Bradley Danger is Susan, Laura's neighbour. You know, um, Blaine May plays Jimmy. That's an acquaintance of Laura's from, from a, you know, her past. Um, David Calloway plays a very nasty pimp. Oh, oh, yeah, not very nice dude at all. 
not very nice, but yeah, I would, I, I, I kind of say that's how, that's our main cast, right, so, um, you're thinking, what is this film about, right, what's this film about, well, after a mysterious group breaks into Laura's home and attempts to abduct her eight-year-old son, David, the two of them flee town in search of safety. But soon after the failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasing psychosis and convulsions. Following her maternal instincts, Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, right? It's insane. Now, um, it opens up, right? We, man, like you just hear some weird kind of, like the music's playing and we hear some like screamy kind of sounds and then someone preaching. And this is, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in the front seat of a car. As all of this is playing out. It's raining. We're on the front seat of a car. And it's just like. Um, what's happening? Then with a girl. Laura. In a, uh, in a cafe. In a diner. Right? She's sitting there. She's looking. I mean. I, I kind of feel right. If this person came into a spot you were at. You, you'd be worried. Right? You'd be like, hey, are you okay? Is everything alright? Do you want me to call someone? Like, have you got money? Can you eat? Can you... You'd be concerned for this woman, right? And then these people come in and sit down behind her. Right? She's... She's feeling that, that, you know what I mean? Oh, this ain't safe. And she's leaving. She's pregnant, by the way. Heavily pregnant. So she's in the car and she's driving away. These people follow her. So we're like, oh, fuck. What is happening here? What is, what's going to go on? Where's this story going to take us? Because obviously, I hadn't read the synopsis. I didn't know. I Like, is the mother, you know what I mean? Our, our person we're following? Or is this leading into something crazy? I, I had no clue. Right? But all of a sudden, Shorty gives birth in a car, and you're like, whoa, whoa, what, you're in, it's raining, and I'm just expecting these people that were following her to start smashing in the car or something, something, now that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen, which is one thing I did wonder about, though, I'm like, wait, what happened to the people following her, where did they go, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I, I don't really have too many quibbles with the film. I do like the word quibble, right? It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of eh, cheeky. It works. You know, you could say, I got a quibble with that. It never, you know, and it doesn't sound as bad as, man, I got problems. I I got problems. You know, quibble, it works a little bit better. But anyway, anyway, I digress. Um... So yeah, you know, we then jump, we jump in time, and now we're with Laura and her son David, and gotta say, 
she looks in far better shape than what she had been. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, a neighbour is like, hey, you know, they're talking, it just seems all nice and cute. They're in the car, we see them have a nice little conversation on. Everything is golden. She's a teacher. You're like, okay, life be good. Life be good, right? And they're at home. You know, she she puts him to bed. Um... You know, he's been watching zombie films. He's got a thing for zombies. He's been watching zombie films, so she's just like, ah, that's what, you know what I mean? Because he doesn't want to be scared of the dark, and there's some interactions. It's all good. Suddenly, things go crazy. And that, people, is this, you know, this mysterious group mentioned in the synopsis, right? She, like, he calls out to her in the middle of the night. She goes to see him. There's a group in the room. Right? But it's one of those things where, is there a group in the room? Is someone half asleep? Like, you don't know. Because the way it's all been shot and, you know, the angles is just like, ah. So it gets you. You're a bit like, hmm. Am I seeing something? Like, is this real? Right, but um, yeah, she goes running to the neighbors. The group is nowhere to be seen. But yo, David becomes mad ill, and the film just, whew, from that point on, people, from that point on, we are in crazy town. Right, it, it's yeah. It, 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 it's a little <laughs> It's a little tense Right But I will say You know there's a, there's a lot happening But it's all within I mean you kind of feel The way you're getting drip fed This stuff It all kind of It, it helps build the anticipation And I will say Right, we we get these moments with um Laura. She's in bed and she has these these dreams. We get these flashes. Like she wakes up and she see there's a sign and it says he's coming. Right, this sign, um, like bunting hanging between two trees. So we see that. You know, like oh, that, and then there's this bed, right? Purple sheets. And, um, um, well, what do you call, like the four poster business, right? So we kind of see all of this. So these are these visions that she's having all the time, right? And, and it's just like, it's super creepy. It's super weird, you know? But, um, yeah, that, that, that's what, that's one of the things that we're seeing, so there's this all, like, constantly, right, even in the moments that you think, oh, this seems normal, this seems fine. We get these elements, these flashes of craziness. And as the piece builds up, as it moves on, we find out more about Laura's past, right, which, um, yeah, 
definitely there's stuff in the past that you're like, okay, that's not good, right? That's not good. Oh, damn. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I would say, man, the acting is great. Like, I think with David, you know what I mean, the kid, right, the, the way this shit needs to be, it's kind of crazy, right, because we're seeing a kid as a normal kid, and then as this weird deranged thing, right, so Luke David Bloom does a, oh man, he does a fantastic job. A fantastic job of selling you on this shit, right? Like making you believe all of this is happening. Man, it it is it's very good. Then you've got Andy Matachi. Yo, you got Laura, right? <laughs> you Andy who plays Laura. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've probably hit my head during the night, yeah, shit be crazy people, but anyway, she, because we get concerned mother, right, get concerned mother, and I think there, there are moments where you're like, ah, oh, you, you know what I mean, is she deranged? Like, what's happening here? But you're just like, no, 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 no. It's just concerned. Like, she's protecting a kid, right? Everything. Like, even with the, the more shit you find out about her, you're still like, no, 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 no. Like, no, this this cannot be bullshit, right? Because she wouldn't be acting like this. This has to be some real shit. It's got to be real. Got to be real people You know Emil Hirsch God damn this motherfucker Right I'm saying We have seen Emil Hirsch In so many different sorts of roles So many different sort of roles Right You know And he, he kills it Homie is killing it Right, just, I mean, if you just think about all the stuff that he has done, right, I mean, just all the different weird, and the genres, like the different genres, right, the girl next door, Lords of Dogtown, Alpha Dog, which, I don't know what I think about Alpha Dog, it's one of them things, Into the Wild, you know, Milk, which... I mean, Milk was a great film, right? Milk was a great film. Killer Joe, that was that was some weird shit. <laughs> but yeah, he's just there's so many genres that he's jumping between, so you can't really tie him down, right? Can't really tie him down to anything. But he gives us these different performances. You know, once upon a time in Hollywood. You know, he's been in some huge ass films. Huge ass films. And this, man, the performance he gives us in this, right? Because I got to say, right? And I'm not just saying. Now, there's something in here. 
in the piece, I'm like I remember watching and thinking, oh, that person, yeah, right. But as the film goes on, and we're and we're with that character, you're like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Because what they're giving me right now is not that energy, right? What they're giving me is not that energy. Am I wrong? Alright, where, where, where is this going? Am I like, huh? And you wonder because there's all this other crazy shit happening in the background. Background, background, in the background. Like some near misses. Right, the feed into what Laura is suspecting, but then then you get this other stuff that is counter to that, and I have to say, like <laughs> Emil's partner, right, pulls the the police officer Paul, right, his partner Steve Cranston Johnson, he'd be a little, you know what I mean? Even a little kind of <laughs> Don't fuck with me Right And you're just like yo chill son Chill Right And hey I will say What the police do Probably what Three thirds of the way through Three thirds Three quarters of the way through the piece I was, I'm just like, what, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, that, that just says insane. <laughs> like, there's nothing about that plan that was smart. What the fuck, people? Some weird ass shit, man. But, yeah, we, we get great performances. And just all the way up until the end. All the way up until the end, you are questioning yourself, right? Because we get to certain bits and you're just like, wait, huh? And then, right, because there is so, there is something that goes down and you're just like, wait, 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 wait. How did that happen? Right, how did that? And then when we find out the end and, it, like, the whole thing is, is broken down, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, okay, man. All right, that's what you're doing. Okay, you you crazy motherfuckers. Oh, like it is a very. Good, I did enjoy the ending. I did enjoy the ending. I like the way this built up. And another great thing is, man, like just the lighting, the cinematography. Right, we're, we're, because we're in these rooms, a lot of times we're in rooms and scenes, and it's, it's not dark, dark, but it's not light, so you get this play with shadows, you know, sometimes there's things in mirrors, there's these flickers and shit, and it, it just builds the tension, you know, the music isn't overbearing, you know, there's enough stuff here that really helps, right? You you see people kind of silhouetted in, you know, doorways and just the way it's all there. So you definitely 
are with it. You're you're riding with this plot, this theory, this what the fuck is going on, and you have to give props to the makeup people as well because, damn, <laughs> like what they do with David, yo, I mean that's some good shit. That's some good shit. I, I, I kind of think to myself, how do you ensure that a kid ain't fucked up from something like this? Because, <laughs> oh man, it's kind of crazy. But, yo, as I said, this is another just great addition to the Shudder Library. This really is, people. If you've enjoyed... If you've enjoyed any of the pieces on there, right, it's kind of crazy, like, caveat that we spoke about a few weeks back. It's got that eerie kind of, like, what is going on? Kind of sense, like, um, lucky, right? It's got all of that there. You know, the creepiness of spiral. You know, there is just... There's some great shit in this film, people. Like, the acting, just superb, man. It it will keep you guessing all the way through, I feel. It will keep you guessing all the way through. And I just think the way it ends, we could get more. There's there's definitely room for more. And, hey, as long as I get to watch it in a lighted room, I'm all for it. (laughs) I'm all for it. So, people, if you like this crazy shit, you know what I mean? If, If you like possessed kids and all of that, I mean, that sounded weird. I, I realise that sounded weird, but you know what I mean, right, if that's your thing, then you might want to check out Sun, right, you might want to check out Sun, I don't think you'll be disappointed, alright, it's on Shudder, from today, the 8th of July, you alright, so people, go get you Sun, <laughs> oh, Oh shit, that was that I pull it that was bad. That was bad. I apologize. I apologize, people. Now go enjoy the film. Sometimes I don't know how I come to decisions, right? I've I've just watched this new film, right? New film called The Surrogate. And I mean just name alone, right? Think of that name. And think of what it might visualise to you. Well, for some reason, I thought this was a sci-fi film. I don't know why. I I have no clue. Because obviously, there was something I, I, I read, right? Which got me to yeah, agree to cover the film. But... And I mean, it doesn't take a lot for me to agree to cover a film. I like to cover a diverse array of stuff. Even stuff that on paper, I might not have gone to see in the cinema. Because anything can surprise you. And if you, you know, delve into Walter's Untrod, 
you know, it keeps things fresh, right? If you keep on watching the same thing over and over again, you're always just judging stuff on the last thing that you watched, right? So I keep it fresh, keep it moving, you know what I mean? That's what I do, people. And so, yeah, I ch- I check out the surrogate. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching it and, yeah, completely, completely... A 180 to what I thought it was (laughs) But this is not a bad thing Okay It is actually The, you know, feature directorial debut From Jeremy Hirsch You know, who also wrote the piece Okay It is um, Produced by Jonathan Blitzstein, yeah, Jonathan Blitzstein, Julie Christias, right, Julie Christias, and, um, oh gosh, what is it, uh, oh my days, Julie Christine, the last name, I've just lost the name, Taylor Hess, yes, Taylor Hess, Okay, cinematography is from Mia Keof Henry. Um, it's edited by Cecilia Del Delgado. Uh, casting is from Erica A. Hart. Right, production design is um Devon Agu. Art direction Natalie Eakin. Costume design is Lauren Tunchum. Okay, I th- I think that's how you pronounce it all. Uh, right. Um, now it's ninety three minutes, so you know, just over an hour and a half, not too long, right? Our cast of extremely talented individuals. We have Jasmine Bachelor who plays Jess. Um. Chris Perfetti plays Josh and Sullivan Jones plays Aaron. So Josh and Aaron are a gay couple, right? And and Jess is the surrogate. Right? That that's that's what the name is. It's not some sci-fi thing, people. It's not. You know what I mean? I don't know if you thought that when you heard the name. Or if it's just me being a dumb ass, but yes, no, and they're our three, essentially our three main characters. Okay, so we also have um, Brooke Bloom as Bridget, Ebony Booth as Samantha, uh, William Demerit as Pierre. Uh, we have. Perva Betty as Diana. Um, Leon Addison Brown as Stephen Harris. Tonya Pinkins as Karen Weatherston Harris. Right. Um, yeah. Brandon Mitchell Hall as Nate. Layla Kushundi as Gertrude, Jennifer Daminio as Rachel, and Catherine Curtin as Sarah. So, uh, yes, that's 
That's how cast people. That's how cast. And the plot is this. Jess agrees to be a surrogate mother for her best friend Josh and his husband Aaron. When a when a prenatal test reveals that the baby will likely be born with Down syndrome, complications arise between the three of them. Josh and Aaron are unsure if they are prepared to care for a special needs child and the associated financial costs, so they suggest Jess have an abortion. Jess, on the other hand, has different plans. She researches what it will take to raise a special needs child by talking to knowledgeable mothers and looking into public assistance. She eventually decides to have the baby, despite family and friends advising against it. Yes, so that's the film. Now, I do, like, it's an interesting one, right? Because when they, um, yeah, they go through this test and they're told that, you know, um, our our um, you know, our scans and things have shown that your baby is most likely going to be born with Down syndrome. It's like it's most likely, right? It's not like uh, we've detected, like they say, we've detected another chromosome, which in 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 theory does it means yes that that's what it will be, but they don't say oh it will be. So it does make you wonder. Okay, how many times then? Has a baby, after all of this, been born and it doesn't have, like, Downs? You know, like, that. it's not part of the film, right? It's nothing to do with the film, but it is something that makes you wonder, right? Because there is a definite language that gets used. I think, I think for the most part, right, if you go to... You know, decent enough places when they talk to you about these things. No, like no one's gonna be like, "Sucks for you guys." You've got a special one on your hands. Like no one's going to be callous and cruel and just nasty about these things. But there is a language, you know. But yes, the film. Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're talking about the film and a. I, I, I think there are definitely points when this, you think it's going to be, you think it's going to go in the direction that a film like this often does, you know? Well, we open up, right, with Jess on a date. She's on a date with, um I believe the guy's called Nate, right? And... um yeah, they're having a, a really good time, right? It, it seems nice and lovely, but uh, we get to that thing, you know? And, and it's interesting because we don't really know much about Nate. He does crop up later on in the film a few times, but we still don't know a huge heap on him because, you know, she's just like... Uh, I think he makes an offhand comment and she's just like, no, 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 I don't want this to be anything crazy. I'm just happy for what we have. And yeah, and it it seems that he's not saying, I want to marry you. I want to, you know, but he's like, hey, I've got, you know, what if I want to join the Peace Corps? What if I want to move to here? What if I want to do that? And 
Right, I, and, I, and I think that gives you an idea of who Jess is, right? I think that gives you a good insight. Because it's not a mean point of view, but it is a it is a point of view of like, okay, well, you can't cope, right? You if these if changes happen, you can't cope. I can. So I'm gonna do it like this, and you have to do it like this, and blah, blah, blah. you know what I mean? It, it's, it's very like I want to be control of this because I'm the only one that can handle this shit, right? But from there, we go into she's in a toilet, in a toilet, and just straight away from the face, right? From the facial expression, you you be like. Oh dear, <laughs> someone's late. <laughs> some, some, someone didn't use protection. You know what I mean? You, know, you think that's what you think. Right? Because you think after the conversation with Nate, it's going to work out that they're pregnant and it's going to be working out what to do with the kid and blah, blah, blah. But no, it's not that. It's not that film. But she comes out and there's these two guys in the room and you're like, Oh, that's when I realised what the surrogate meant. <laughs> yeah, the penny dropped at that moment. I'm like, okay, okay, I get it now. I understand, right? So she's going to be surrogate for her friend Josh and his husband Aaron. And you get the sense that she does know Aaron... But we don't really know how potentially close she is with Aaron. But you do get a feeling there is a level after, you know, with some conversations that happen later on in the film, that she does know Aaron at a certain level, right? But, yeah, so they're pregnant. And you know it's going to be a mess, Right, you know it's going to be a mess because they have no sort of official contracts or anything like that. It's just the guys have said, "Yeah, we're gonna handle you know the um the costs, the medical costs, and do all of this and blah blah blah." And it's just like, okay. Okay, I mean, yeah, without anything on paper, and especially with friends, woo, these situations just never go well, they never go well, but yeah, that, that's what we have, right, and so then we get into, you know, she's, Jess is telling her mum and her sister, of what's going on and everything like that. Well, I mean, her sister knew. Her mum's doesn't. <laughs> but it's fine. No one's really just like, ugh, you, I can't believe you're doing this. This is a disrespect to the family. But, um, yeah, and we get an insight into Jess's life, right? I mean, I mean one interesting thing is, like, uh, where she she's working at a not-for-profit, Right, she it's a charity that in some way is supporting women incarcerated. But every time they talk about it, it's just like I work for a not for profit. And there is a certain type of person, right? 
I come across it. I've worked with them, and they'd be like, "I work for a not for profit," and I do, and it's just a bit like, "Ugh, just say who you work for." You know what I mean, there's a not for profit means nothing. It means nothing, but it's just a little pretentious. It's a little pretentious in in in, in what you're talking about, right? But it's funny because we see all of these. Factors in her life start to become a frustration, right? Now, they may have been a frustration beforehand, but we don't see that. All we see is all of a sudden, there's certain things that start to illustrate, irritate, illustrate, irritate her, right? And it's one of those situations where, you know, you don't really show it, right? But it's, it's, it's a build. It's a build, right? So, you know, she's kind of, I don't know, she, she's looking to take control, looking to, I think she feels lost, right? That's the sense. She feels adrift and she's looking for ways to bring it back, and, you know, like, even just conversations with people, at pre- uh, the, 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 you know, the breathing class, and all of this, you know, it's just like, um, oh, how, how many months are you, oh, that's so great, oh, I'm this, I'm 10 months, no, it's like, I'm 10 weeks, oh, it's not mine, I'm a surrogate for my friend, and it says, like, no one needs to know, no one cares, but, you know what I mean, you're putting this out there, he's like, look, I've got a purpose, I'm doing this shit, but yeah, then they find out, right, they find out that the kid, um, potentially has Down syndrome, and I, it, I think it is interesting, because they don't talk about, um, what might happen straight away, like, there is no... Okay, um, okay, so we could keep the kid, we could get the kid adopted, we could abort the kid. Like, they don't have that conversation at that moment in time. We only come to that point later on. And I, I think, I thought that was interesting. You know, that they decide not to address it there and then. You know, but you can see them going through and looking at the situation, right? So they go to different groups and things like that to get insight into. And you see, you know, the kids doing stuff and, but it's young kids, it's little kids, you know, they, they don't really look at kids, young adults, you know, adults, right? They, they don't look at that aspect of things. But you see Jess getting this, you know, the, the, this fire under her. It kind of seems that this is going to be her calling now, right? This is going to be her calling, which really... I think it's made evident 
from, and it's not on this, but she's walking past a restaurant, walking past a restaurant, and then she's like, hold on, and she goes back to the restaurant, she walks up the stairs, walks in, and it's like, um, is your manager around, and like, uh, okay, manager comes, and then it's just like, yeah, uh, and the manager's like, how, how can I help you, here? Well, you can tell me how a disabled customer is getting into this place. You know, it, it, it's like, it's an okay question, but it is said in a very confrontational manner. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just like, now Jess is, you know, she, she's looking to challenge everyone on these things. Right, because she realizes that Josh and Aaron, they, they don't want the kid, you know, and she does, but it's an interesting place to where she she's coming from with this, and, and I think what makes this film very interesting, I do believe it is the diversity of the cast, right? Because I think if this was just straight white cast, you know, which we've seen in the past, right, it's still an interesting, it's an interesting topic, but there's only so much you can do with it, right, and with this, with this cast that we have here, we get to really get into those grimy conversations that people have, you know what I mean, it's like when you say certain things, which they're not fair, right, it's not a fair, be like, well, how, like, how would you like it if you were, you know, kept down by society, and you were, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gay, so I, I get it, and you're like, well, you know, but you don't have it as bad as black people, I'm like, Ever, all my family were killed by the Nazis, so it's like I understand that. I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, and so you get all of this, and because Aaron and Josh are a um, they're a mixed couple, sure you know. So, uh, <laughs> well, Siri, I'm trying to explain. Um, they're a mixed couple, right? So, you know, it, 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 it's that situation where one's looking at the other like are you going to help me out here and it's just like I do not want to get into this minefield like this is ridiculous I don't want to do this shit yeah and and so we get to see all of that and it is fascinating it's fascinating because anyone can be an arsehole right anyone can be an arsehole it doesn't matter the race you know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter the gender. Like, there's there's so many things that happen when we get into these muddy kind of waters. Because essentially, right, there is no one here who is particularly right or wrong. You know? Because when you're looking at the situation, can you raise a kid with Down syndrome, I don't think anyone can actually give you that answer, because you don't know until you're in that situation, 
But I, I do think it's a sensible thing to go, okay, do financially, how are we? Space-wise, how are we? What, like, what are my resources? Right? What are the changes should I have to make? Right? It's a sensible thing. Because we have seen way too many situations where kids come into the world and their parents aren't prepared or their parents didn't really want them. Right? So the level of care is horrendous. Is horrendous. And no one wants that. Right? But, you know, Jess wants the kid, which is, again, it's fair. You get it. And we've seen that through many situations about surrogates, right? There's an attachment that gets formed that you think, eh, it's going to be fine. But once you know, all them chemicals start to go, whoo! <laughs> you know what I mean? That cocktail starts to get made and things change. So we get to see and witness all of this. We really do. And I think it's handled in a very, it's a very well done way, right? Because we are following Jess mostly. She is the, the real you know, crux of the piece, but we do look in at, um, Josh and Aaron, now, we don't necessarily get their, you know, a a proper breakdown of their thinking here, right, we do have situations where she voices opinions and concerns, and they're like, we've thought about that, Obviously, we thought about that. This isn't something we rushed into, you know. But it 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 is. Um, it's interesting how, right? We we get to view it through her, and then when it gets turned to them, their reactions to it all. Right, and you can see that some things are obviously said because it's easier. It's easier to say this than to try and break it down into anything further. But sometimes we don't even know, right? There's just an understanding that I don't think I can cope with the situation, which again, that's not wrong, right? You need to know what your um. What your strengths and weaknesses are, you know what I mean? You need to know that. So I, I think that's all well and good, right? And, and so it's interesting. It's interesting that we see we're just trying to do this research. And you know, she's talking to these different people and these different people with different viewpoints, right? But just because they've made something work to an extent doesn't mean that it's perfect. And although some of this isn't necessarily voiced, you do see it through body language, right? In this final dinner she has with a lady, you know, you see it, right? And, and, it, and it's crazy. It's crazy. I think. You, the film shows us what these sort of things can do to friendships. You know what I mean? Like, you go into it with a thinking that, oh, yeah, we're so good friends. Anything can, we can survive anything. 
And you just see how it fractures it all. See how it fractures it all. And I, I think, look, it can't cover everything, you know? But it does lay a lot out there for you. You know, which, yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. You do get that self-righteous <laughs> victorial, right? You get that. That's laid out there. You know, and I think it's it's a fair thing to do, right? Because you do often have that. Now it's obviously it's not from everyone, but it's something that happens. So I think it is important to show, you know? So it was it was good to see that. Right, but it's good to see all of these different emotions just all mixed up. And we do get very good performances. You know, very there's although we don't get a lot maybe of Josh and Aaron, what we do get from them is the myriad of you know, just emotional turmoil that having to Think about, go through and make these decisions will have on you, you know, because they're not the bad guys of the piece and Jess isn't a bad person of the piece, but it's just these different viewpoints, these different understandings, these these wants, right, because I think at its core, it's it's not just about a kid, it's about trying to find something, right? Trying to find something that drives you through life, that gives you meaning. Because, you know, there's a point when you know, she's having a conversation with her mother and she's just like, ugh, you know, there's a mum's like, you've got a master. She's like, ugh, just some piece of paper that tells people I'm smarter than them, right? But... We can see, look, she's done all of this stuff, right? So there was definitely a point where she's like, oh, this will be good for me to do this stuff, right? So it's it's interesting that a certain thing will completely throw you, will completely change your perception, right? And whether that's a long-term change or if it's just changed... For this, because you are in this current situation, right? But yeah, we get to see all of that, and it's handled pretty well. It's handled pretty well. The ending is pretty, whoo, it's pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. Now, when I say the ending, right, we get this conversation towards the end, and then the ending itself, right, it is on a very just uneventful note, right, is it this uneventful, because we get this thing, this declaration, and then it's just, meh. and I liked that, right, because it's kind of life, right, life doesn't happen like, right, I'm gonna go and do this, and you're like, uh, well, you need to make an appointment, and you need to see this person, and there's forms you have to fill out, and blah, 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 you know what I mean, but lots of times in Hollywood films, right, you're, you're shown, this happens, and then this happens, and then you'd be like, well, that's not life, life don't happen like that, so the way this film ends, right, it ends on this moment, 
And you're like, yeah, kind of makes sense, right? Kind of makes sense. But it is this, it does seem this quiet in the storm, right? You're like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, can anyone come back from this? You know what I mean? That's what you do wonder as the credits are coming down. But it is a... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, however brutal this this film is, it is. It, yeah, it's enjoyable, right? So the surrogate, it is out in cinemas tomorrow, right? So on the ninth of July, a birthday piece. You know what I mean, so people, if if you wanna check it out, you can go and see these great performances. In a cinema near you, you know, if there are, um, but yeah, check it out. I think it's also um, dropping on VODs as well. So, uh, people, the surrogate. I mean, I will say one thing I did find a little bit disappointing is the end credits, right? Because the text they're using this yellow text, but it's on top of the the scene that's taking place, and so you can't see it. That well, and it's such a shame because all these talented individuals worked very hard on this film, and you can't necessarily see all of their names that well, you know. So, yeah, they should do better, especially the fact that Jess is meant to be a graphic designer in a film, right? So, Pete, sort out your graphic design. <laughs> but yes, the surrogate is out the 9th of July, people. If you want to watch a very tense film about very tricky subjects, then this this will be for you. You know, but it's not necessarily happy. Alright? So be warned and enjoy. <laughs> Okay, people, so we have reached that time again. But before we bounce, let's take a look at what's going down in the world of films. Alright? So, this is an interesting one, right? Um, Universal, since 2005, have been putting their films out on HBO. Right? In the... A1 window, right? Now there's all these windows and we've kind of touched on them in the last few months. But yeah, Universal is shaking all of that up because starting from next year, 2022, they will putting all their pay one out on Peacock. But not exactly how everyone else is doing it right so what usually right is an 18 month period you know for for pay one right before it hits normal tv so what they're gonna be doing is the first four months right it's going to um hit the peacock then it's gonna disappear to other streamers, other platforms, right? They're gonna license those films out, and then the last four months of that window, they go back to Peacock, 
yeah, it's a, it's a weird move, right? It, it, it makes everything a little cray, but hey, that's what they're doing. Apart from Amblin, because films from Amblin, they're all assigned over to Showtime until 2024. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of news for you on that front. Alright, so um, we've got the release date for a couple of new films. Right, so we've got Scream 5, which should be dropping on the 14th of January 2022. And then we've got Red Notice, you know, the new Netflix joint. Starring Dwayne Johnson, Gail Gadot and Ryan Reynolds That will be hitting the platform on the 12th of November Kind of looking forward to that one Hey, here's, here's a bit of good news for us, right? I kind of figured it, it should be happening But you never know until it's all said and done But... Hey, people, Lance Rednick is returning for John Wick 4. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a great bit of news because he has been a good character in these films. You know, it all did get a little bit crazy in the third. But yeah, Lance is back. So that is a good news. Okay, so um, got a couple of things Amazon related Okay So uh, they have just Picked up The global rights To Ian Reid's um, Science fiction book Called Foe So it came out in 2018 Right So um, Amazon Yeah they're looking to uh, Do a little science sign with it Right It's getting Directed by Gareth Davis, he co-wrote the piece with um, Ian Reid himself, and it's going to be starring Sarice Ronan, Lakeith Stanfield, and Paul Mescal. Right, so uh, yes, the the gist of the piece is this: Mescal and Ronan play a young married couple living in sol- sol- uh, living a solitary life. On their isolated farm One night a stranger Knocks on their door Bringing news that throws their lives into turmoil The husband has been Randomly selected To travel to a large experimental Space station Orbiting Earth for two years The odd part Arrangements have already made So that when he leaves The wife won't have a chance To miss him But she won't be left alone As an apparent Biomechanical duplicate of the husband will be there. Whoosh. How weird is that? Kind of creepy, but I'm down for that. That sounds interesting, people. I, I do like an, an original idea. So, we um, talked about, you know, the first one in today's episode. And I hinted that I wouldn't be surprised. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I am not surprised that Amazon and Skydance are already planning a sequel to The Tomorrow War. Right, so Chris McKay and Zach Dean 
are going to be back along with Chris Pratt, Yvonne Strakowski, Sam Richardson, Betty Gilpin, Edwin Hodge and J.K. Simmons. No word on what the plot will be, but um, I'm sure it's going to be as goofy as that of the film. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think this is very interesting, right? So, uh, Karim Anazus, it will be making his English language film debut with Firebrand. Which, um, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a new take on the life of Catherine Parr. And if you don't know who Catherine Parr is, she was the last wife of uh, Henry VIII. Yes. So they're reimagining it as a psychological horror film <laughs> set in the Tudor court, which, you know kind of makes a lot of sense really you know what i mean so uh yes um michelle williams will be playing par um you know and uh yeah i i i think um you know it, it, it she survives you know she doesn't die Right, so it, there's a lot to kind of get down with. So, uh, yeah, I'm in very interested in this one, people. Very interested in All right, so in other news, Bill Condon, you know, the award-winning director, is um, he's gonna be, you know, doing this trend of bringing a forex fear. A musical play to the big screen so this will be a new interpretation of guys and dolls and it's going to be coming to uh, the tri-star pictures so uh, yeah you know we'll see if uh, the Broadway piece can have as much success on the silver screen so yeah there you go people um and word is vin diesel would like to be in it but we will see okay so in other news uh zack snyder he's um you know he he did some good stuff with netflix figures wise next fix next flicks Right, so they just had the Army of the Dead. You know, words is they're already prepping the prequel to that Army of Thieves. But yo, they've just teamed up for a new piece called Rebel Moon. So this is said to be an epic sci-fi fantasy. You know, um, which is set on a a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy um, but is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical region named Belarusius. Hmm. So Schneider co-wrote the script with Shay Hatton. You know, you'll recognize the name because Hatton worked on Army of the Dead with him. Uh, also Kurt Johnstad who um, worked on 300 with him, right? So, uh, 
yeah you know we will see um, we'll see what happens with this one right um, yeah I'm interested very interested indeed so they're looking to get started on filming next year people okay so um in other news all right so uh, kelvin harrison jr and samara weaven um have just landed the starring roles in stephen williams new piece Chevalier de St. George at Searchlight and Element Pictures. Alright, it is written by um, Stefani Robinson and it centers on Joseph Ballange, um, known as the Black Mozart. Born in the Caribbean, Ballange was the illegitimate son of a plantain owner. And a slave who was then educated in France and became a fencing master. With his music and operas, he ascended to the upper echelons of Marianne Antoinette's Paris society until a court scandal laid him low. Weaving is going to be playing um, Marie Josephine, a woman who yearns for creative fulfillment outside her empty, loveless marriage and defies her controlling husband to become the voice of Balanche's opera. Hmm, I do like some historical real life action. So, uh, yeah, I'm down with that one, people. Uh, so Kevin Frakes, he's got a um, a new piece coming, and it's an adaptation of Paolo Chacello's, you know, best-selling novel, The Alchemist. Yep, that's right, people. The Alchemist is coming to the big screen, and um, it's going to be starring. Sebastian de Souza, Tom Hollander, Sharia Agahasalu, and Jordi Moller. So yeah, yeah. The um, you know, the, the the book follows Andalusian shepherd boy um named Santiago on an epic quest for life-changing treasure. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what they do with that one, people. And um, this is pretty interesting because he's done it before, right? And I'm talking about Matthew Vaughan. He has created genre, he like tempos, right? He's got some huge, te- the Kingsman one, the Kick-Ass one. And it looks like he's planning to do it again. Because he has got the rights to Ellie Conway's Argyle. Right? So, um, yeah, the novel itself hasn't quite come out yet. But he got an early look at the draft for it. And, um, yeah, he's um, doing his magic in the film genre. So, um, it's a globe-trotting spy adventure. Right? And um, 
what Vaughan had to say was when I read this early draft manuscript, I felt it was the most incredible and original spy franchise since Ian Fleming's Books of the 50s. This is going to reinvent the spy game. So, uh, yeah, we will see, people. We will see. You know, they're looking to do a trilogy. Um, and Jason Fox, he's written a script. For the piece So we'll see what happens Alright um, Now here's another bit of news uh, We know Patty Jenkins Right she was tagged To um, be a new Director in the Star Wars, Star Wars Franchise Doing a Rogue Squadron Well um, she had some words to say recently, right? It's going to be amazing. I had been on it already for six months before I even announced that. So we're pretty deep into it. We're finishing a script, crewing up, and it's all going wonderfully. I'm so excited about the story and excited that we're the next chapter of Star Wars, which is such a responsibility and such an opportunity to really start some new things. It's really exciting in that way okay, um, She also said It's an entirely different way of working I'm on the phone with all of them And doing Zoom meetings With everybody involved in Star Wars All the time I'm fairly free to do the story That we want to do But you really need to know who's done what Who's doing what Where it goes and how it works And what designs have been done before There's a whole other way of working that I'm getting to speed up on So uh, yeah people If you wondered And now you know And let's end with this Right so we know that um, Quentin Tarantino He already has a um, cinema in his pocket Right The landmark New Beverly Well he has just added another one Right and it's a good thing because the Vista Theatre on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles It got shut due to the uh, pandemic But now it's going to be coming back to life As um, yeah, Tarantino picked it up And he's hoping to have it open for Christmas Hey, that's, some pretty, that's pretty huge It's pretty huge uh, And he is looking to just be showing 35 and 16 millimeter films at this new spot, right? He said, Well, um, we'll probably open it up around Christmas time, and again, only film. It won't be a revival house. We'll show new movies that come out when they give us a film print. It's not going to be like the new Beverly. The new Beverly has its own vibe. The Vista is like a crown jewel kind of thing. We'll show older films, but it will be like you can hold a Fortnite engagement. So, um, yeah, there you go, people. Enjoy your film watching. Definitely, if you can, go see The Sun. Um, go check out The Surrogate. They're extremely good. You know, perfect uh, stranger, a perfect enemy, sorry, is already out. 
and Tomorrow War is also streaming on Amazon. So, people, there you go. Enjoy your film watching. We will be back next week, and I'm hoping to have a little Black Widow action for you and a quiet place too. So, fingers crossed, we'll see what we can do. All right, peace. Shit.